Legend of Zelda will date for eight months, two weeks, six days, and one hour. This television program is the comprehensive account of their relationship. From A to Z. Hello and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season 13, part 4, A to Chat Z. This is the fourth series in our season on shows that didn't last 13 or more than 13 episodes before getting cancelled, which we've been calling 13 Under 13. My name is Alan, and at the meeting there is going to be a PowerPoint presentation and a series of instructional videos shot by me and my good buddy Magellan. Welcome. Hey, now, you, that's enough. That's enough of that. Hey, golly, that's enough of that. Golly, we were talking before the recording about how I, I'm saying golly a lot now. Yeah, it's got a golly counter on the board. Uh, and it's not like when I was in high school and I would watch Jeopardy every day, and I specifically tried to start saying tomorrow, tomorrow, the way that Alex Trebek says it. Like, <laughs> That that was like a brief phase of intentionally trying to shift my 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 speaking. But somehow in the past couple months, I've just started saying golly, like, oh god, you know, and I'll do it in different contexts. Something comes to mind, oh golly, well, that's interesting. It, or it, I'm 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 frustrated in class and I'm like, golly, you guys, you know, I just need your attention for a for a second here. It's a really yeah. elegant way to not curse as much. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I wonder. I I have been feeling lately like now nah, I curse more than I want to. And so uh -huh. maybe that's kind of like a subconscious pivot that I'm starting to make. Mm -hmm. But uh, but anyway, it's fun. I recommend people try it out. It's not my chatsome. Otherwise, I wouldn't be saying it so early. Yeah, we can't burn that just, yet. just yeah. yet. You know, I was thinking of something. I wanted to ask you this before we talk about this show. Sure. What do you want so to So we're watching the classic, the classic show A to Z right now. This is this is part of season thirteen where we're covering shows that were canceled uh, before they aired thirteen episodes, and uh, we're watching A to Z, the uh, the sitcom about letters that only did about half of them, and it's got me thinking. What's your favorite letter? Oh, like my favorite look, letter. Just look at them. Just look at a grid of all the letters. And that was it. That was my favorite letter. What? Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, oh. See, oh. I think most of my favorite letters are vowels because most of them can be used as individual letters or words, um, mm -hmm. which I think is just a fun quirk of the English language. But uh, ah, a e. <laughs> Damn it. Golly, you found two that I can't really use. Ooh, you. <laughs> you, I, O, Y. Those all work. You just happen to Those start with all... the two that don't. <laughs> no, A is a word. A. No, it's not. That's a sound. That's a gerund or whatever. That's what a gerund is. I mean, you can say A, 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 a a time what a time we're having editor yeah. alan can you please do me a favor and just cut a clip of magellan going that's not a jared and just loop that running that's a jared running when he goes to buy her jewelry that's i love a running he went to jared's <laughs> <laughs> hyper, hyper local comedy 
There's a jewelry store in the northeastern United States called Jared's, and they, their motto is he went to Oh, that's to a regional? That's a regional I think thing? It's, I'm pretty sure it's regional, yeah. Jared Jewelers. Oh, God, I'm laughing. So you like vowels because they can be... Words. Words. Okay. What are you? What's your favorite letter? Um... You we, know, got to, Jared, we got to. We got to. There are Jareds in New York here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I said Northeast. You're still in the Northeast. You're right. Um, we hit we another vowel Jared. this week, though. We did. Uh, sorry. Letter favorite letter. I I love the shape of the letter M. I love the shape of the letter H. Mm, powerful. I like ninety degree I like angles. Those, yeah, like kind of symmetrical ones. <laughs> Trying uh, to imagine the letter M with ninety degree angles. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an e that you knocked over whoopsie drunk e but also i love g gosh golly g's a fun one huh great let's let's talk about this show yes let's i'm ready we're talking about we're (laughs) we're talking about more letters of the alphabet as we watched another three episodes of the canceled series a to z Mm -hmm. this week on the podcast we watched d is for debbie E is for ectoplasm, and F is for fight, fight, fight. D is for Debbie was written by Ben Queen, the god himself, Ben Queen. The reason we are here, the reason for the fucking season, literally. Yeah. It's written by Ben Queen and Laura Gouton. It was directed by Michael Patrick Jan, and it aired October 23rd, 2014. Magellan, can you please tell me what happened in D is for Debbie? Sorry, I was trying to put a zip code in the Jared store locator. That was really far away, and I just uh-huh. sort of guessed like nine three nine oh nine, but I have no idea where that is. Probably the West Coast because nine oh two one oh is on the West Coast. Yeah, that was my hope was to try to get something on the West Coast. Oh. Uh, I don't think it's a real zip code is the problem. Sad. That's how I messed up. Um, okay. Anyway, for some reason the letter D smells bad to me. So. Uh, <laughs> D- I don't know why. I think it's a stinky letter. Not in a bad way. Just that's like, but also it's part of a big smile. Uh, mixed feelings about D. In this episode, when I slayed the clip of a John saying mixed feelings about D. Uh, mixed feelings about D. Yes. Oh, it's such a good soundboard. Do we still have a soundboard? Someone reason on the Discord was like, do you guys not know that you have a soundboard? It's all the people cheering the return of the soundboard. Yeah, it is. You wouldn't want us to use the soundboard as often as we want to, because then there'd be episodes like this. Ah, uh, boy, mixed feelings on the D. <laughs> That's great. That's so fun. What are you talking about? My iPhone, <laughs> my Apple Watch just said, it seems like you've taken a hard fall. Should we call 911? <laughs> That's how funny that joke was. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's bring I, it I, to the. Let's bring it to the intro here. In this episode, when Zelda's aunt suddenly dies, she struggles. Oh, God, I forgot this oh one. Has God, death in it. so Debbie. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Debbie. Bring it back. Bring it back, Debbie. Uh, she struggles with the decision to invite Andrew to the funeral. Andrew tries to support Zelda through her grieving process and has convinced himself that she wants him there, but is afraid to ask. Meanwhile, Stu and Steffi vie for the attention of a musician at the funeral, and Big Bird looks to trim the fat at Wallflower in her own special way. Alan, what do you think of D is for Debbie? I think the A plot is fantastic in this one. 
I think the B and C plots suffer. Yeah, I think the B plots and the C plots do, unfortunately, suffer a lot when the main one is about death. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit too heavy compared to we really want to have sex and we should fire employees who don't do enough work. Uh, Right. Really weird dissonance of tone. Dissonance, a term that'll come up later. Dissonance of tone. letter D. Bing bong. I mean, sorry, ding dong. Uh, okay in honor okay yeah. uh yeah I, I i think that like in isolation the a plot's really strong but it's really brought down by some goofy and confusing b and c plots what about you yeah i would agree with that i think this is a, a classic example of you know a to z's problem is that it just came out at exactly the wrong time for it to exist as a show Mm-hmm. Because like all of the visual technology is there for it to pull off scenes like that final scene where we're all playing music together and to yeah. make it like a very beautiful looking thing that is a you know kind of a single camera soft focus like hey we're doing it this looks like a indie rom com um, but it's airing on NBC and so it's like ah okay. So I guess we got to have like six characters who have plots and they're all going to do stuff in this one. Lots yeah. of opportunities for product placement. Yeah, because really this episode should just be like a bottle episode at the funeral or something mm-hmm. that feels like what it wants to be. And yeah, it's kind of trapped in what it has to be, which is a episode of a network sitcom. And uh, I I even thought the like honeypot, you know, wallflower plot was kind of entertaining, um, yeah. Just as a concept, but it definitely felt kind of like tossed off and not particularly well developed because it just was like a side random side thing. Um, like you could have done a whole episode where that's the main plot and you just like flush it out a little bit more, but we don't. Anyway, yeah. it's weird. It really happened in an episode that didn't have the space for it. Because I think that, yeah. like, something that's coming up a lot in our notes, I'm noticing, is that oh, the dating app stuff is, is actually proving to be one of the more interesting parts of A to Z and how they can, like, tell your box standard romance stories, but in the context of, uh, like, how it relates to dating apps and to the psychology mm-hmm. of dating. Um, mm-hmm. I think that stuff is really fun and interesting. Uh, in yeah. a way that the rest of the like the show can work around when that's part of the plot. Like, for example, you know, if you wanted to integrate that into the A plot, maybe something about uh, meetups not being a, you can't ha- meet up at a funeral or like they do talk about briefly how like people do want to flirt at funerals when they're mm-hmm. not related to or like in any way uh, friendly with the, the deceased, which is what right. Steffi and Stu are going through. Like, I, I think that there's something interesting there that the show is just not handling here. Instead, it's it's relegating, uh, you know, Big Bird and her whole situation to its own, like, corner of the plot. Right. Yeah, I definitely am the most engaged by this show when it is doing something that, like, structurally is a pretty by-the-book sitcom plot. By-the-book in a way of, like, this works. I've seen it work in other places, too, as well. Um, and, uh, they do it in a way that involves like 2014 era technology, kind of putting a twist on it, 
mm-hmm. or 2014 era workplace culture making the workplace stuff a little bit more interesting, which is why I liked the honeypot thing because it kind of felt like a new, uh, a newer workplace concept. Like, oh, all these open offices with like a nice chair you can sit in, but then whenever you sit in it, your boss is like, what the hell are you doing? Relaxing. That felt like a kind of newer work sitcom idea. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. But it's, it's, yeah. It's funny. I wrote my notes like as a joke. I said, why, why doesn't this show know what I know so many years later? Because like, <laughs> Like, why aren't uh-huh. they as smart as I am? Because, like, the honeypot thing, which is just to make it clear, is that uh, Big Bird has this, like, technology installed. So they install, like, the new entertainment around the Wallflower office, like a foosball table, like a fun chair, like little things, you know, that employees uh-huh. like to engage with. And whenever somebody sits or it touches them, then it, it sends out a message and she calls them to her office to be like, hey, why are you not working? And then she fires them. She thinks that this is a way to call the fat, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, yeah. The truth is more, it's like more sinister, but also more boring, which is like the reason they have those things is not to see who isn't working. It's because they want you to feel like you're not working so that you work longer. Like this is right. like the the op, the sort of like grift of tech companies nowadays is the fact that, you know, we have all like, oh, you can get dinner and like, oh, you know, there are scooters to take you on the Google campus for free. And it's like, yeah, it's because they want you to stay until seven or eight and then go like, Oh, I mean, I already had dinner here. I guess, Oh, I can sleep here. That's awesome. And then you just keep working. Right. Uh, right. But the, we weren't as aware of that uh, because like tr- tech companies weren't as transparent about that stuff in 2014. So instead it's like, ah, gotcha. The foosball table was a honey trap. Um, right. I always thought this right. was called a honey pot, by the way, when they did compare it to like the whole Russians uh, infiltration thing. They say, they say honey pot, don't they? Well, I think they call it Honey Trap for the rest of the episode. They say Honey Pot once. Oh. And then they just start saying Honey Trap. And I was like, that's a different that's a different word. Huh. But you said, yeah, you like that you like this plot. It then I agree it does feel pretty modern for the show, at least. Yeah, I think that's why I liked it. I don't think it really they do much with it until the end. I thought the button on it was fun where Big Bird is talking to her boss and he yeah. is like, all right, so you want to go get some drinks? And you, this is like so telegraphed, like you know that this is the gag. But it still lands when he's like, oh, got you the honey trap. And then she's mm-hmm. like, oh, you got me. And he's like, just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. And she's like, oh, okay, I'll take that drink. And he says, well, double honey trap. Now I got to write you up twice. But yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. So Yeah, they let Big Bird get um, honey trapped and, and let her get hoisted the same way that all the employees do, which is very fun. I want to go from like small to big here. So like the, another big thing, in the, the, the bigger thing in this episode is Stu and Steffi coming to the funeral and meeting t- no, uh, legally distinct Tyler Oakley at this <laughs> what, this funeral. Uh, I mean, it's it's 2014, so the timing works perfectly. Did you know that Tyler Oakley is still... legally distinct from? I'm saying that this guy is supposed like Tyler Oakley's a real. That's the real YouTuber. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry to be clear. Got it. Uh, this guy, I don't even remember the guy, the character's name. He's like a YouTuber who you pointed this out in your notes is like a big deal because he has one million a YouTube million subscribers. Subscribers, yeah. Talk about the e- exponential expansion of uh, fucking YouTube success, right? 
right. a million 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 subscribers is like not chump change, but it's not, oh my God, you know? Yeah, I'd love to have a million subscribers. I'm not saying, I'm not poo-pooing that, but yeah, for that to be like, everybody knows that this guy's a super famous YouTube guy and he's got a million subscribers is like kind of a funny thing in 2023. Because nowadays, so. if you did, wrote the same plot, that character would be like a guy with 20 million Instagram followers or something like that. Right. Or tech, they, they they do a plot like this actually on uh, Poker Face. And it's somebody with like X number of um, TikTok followers. Ah, uh, okay. That's that's yeah. where the, that's how this would work today. Like, oh, you're a famous influencer. Okay. You have a bunch of TikTok followers. Or, yeah, Instagram people. Right, right. But YouTube subscribers is just a different beast. Um, I This is definitely my least favorite plot of the episode. Stop. I'm bleeping that. I'm bleeping what you just said for no one will know who you, who's the YouTuber you just referenced. I will know. <laughs> first name. Don't. Uh, you're making it impossible to bleep. Fine. I'm keeping all Were of it. Were you about to say don't dox Mr. Beast? I think he's yeah, got like I think protection he's fine. against that. I think he knows what he's doing. He's going to hire all of his people with the new eyes to shoot me with their cool lasers. Do you know he's 6'3"? What? And he's like 22, dude. He's 24, but yeah, very young, very young. Yeah, he's big. I did not know Mr. Beast was 6'3". And he's from Wichita, Kansas. Let's not talk about Mr. Beast. I don't want to talk about... I've been... There's so much discourse about this fucking man and his money. I don't want to talk about the money man anymore. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, Yeah, they're talking about wanting to have sex at the fucking funeral, dude. I, well, specifically... I'm so... Sorry, yes. Yeah, specifically, Steffi wants to sleep with this this YouTube man, YouTube musician. Uh, Stu wants to do a business with him or something in case he gets fired for using the foosball table. Just to clarify. Right. Um, like, Steffi would be a better friend than this. You know? I'm not... I don't know. This whole plot just felt like, really? Mm-hmm. This is how this would go? Would somebody go with their friend to like their mother figure's funeral and then be like, all right, well, I'm going to go try to have sex with this guy. Like, it doesn't feel like a real person. I exactly. Guess. And again, that's ended up a story where the A plot is about like emotional openness and sensitivity, like a real relationship problems that's why it's yeah. weird is that steffi and Stu feel like they're in a sitcom and andrew and zelda feel like they're in a dramedy right 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 yeah it feels like a total mismatch it's one of my least favorite dynamics on the show is that again like those two groups of people have to also be best friends with each other and andrew and zelda have to be like you guys matter so much to us in the next episode and it's like do they all they, they do is they come to your like fucking surrogate mother's funeral and try to sleep with a youtuber like what a bad character yeah yeah and then Stu, terrible too like oh let me do this <laughs> didn't mean to rhyme quite that much uh his whole thing is annoying too they're both so annoying it's like who are you stop it exactly you're not real um, it seems like Lara Gooden at least wrote on a lot of TV. I was going to make a comment about like this reads like a thing that was written by a man, but she, a woman co-wrote this episode, so I don't know. It's just it's just weird. I think that yeah. Stu and Steffi are consistently becoming my least favorite characters in the show that they are main characters on. Yeah, that's what's disappointing.
Agreed. Uh, but the real the real star of the show, Andrew and Zelda, continuing to be like the best characters in their own show. I'm not used to protagonists being the best characters in their own show. Isn't that like a weird? Yeah, it is. Thing? It is kind of trippy and interesting. I'd say the only emotional moment that anyone else gives, besides like all the stuff we've talked about, is like uh, stew and the meat plate. This idea that like when he comes for uh-huh. people to grieve, he came to grieve for Andrew's mother when they were kids. He brought a meat plate, which is a bunch of like bologna and other cured meats. Yeah. And like they loop that joke around when he brings it for uh, Steffi, and it's like, oh, Stu has a heart, but like, th- I don't care about Stu. Like, I want to see Andrew trying to be a good boyfriend to Zelda, who doesn't know how to process grief because her cartoonish aunt and uncle are fumbling the bag really badly. Right. Her uh, uncle is uh, played by Toby Huss, halt of Halt and Catch Fire fame, incredible actor. Yeah, Love to he's see great him. In this. Yeah. And then her aunt is, uh, I always forget the actress's name, but she was Frau Farbissena in uh, the Austin Powers movies. Oh, um, sure. I think it's yeah. Mindy Sterling, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, weird casting. They don't give her anything to do, which is disappointing, but they do give Toby Huss, like, I'm on mushrooms and I don't know how to write a eulogy. And I, I will yeah. be honest, I did laugh when he was like, you know, I already started the eulogy drawing. for you. Yeah, that was funny. Just like a drawing of a dinosaur, and she's like, "Ah, oh. it's a classic <laughs> gag." Yeah, uh, it's not. This isn't like anything innovative, uh, but Zelda is worried about writing the eulogy, so they're sitting at the table trying to write it, and she's like, "I love her, but I don't know how to how to like say these words." Eventually, she goes on the stage and starts the eulogy, and she go, she dissociates. It's almost as if they don't have the word dissociate yet, because she yeah. says like, "I felt like I." was somewhere else and my brain disappeared and i was like we have a really commonly used word for that guys i don't think but i knew that word in 2014 i don't think i did too i'm saying yeah i think it's interesting yeah. that like it just wasn't in the public consciousness mm. mm-hmm. but she dissociates and goes into lawyer mode and sort of delivers this eulogy as if it's a deposition and it's like and that is why we must all you know, yeah mourn. kind of funny kind yeah. of funny but like again kind of from a different show yes like a lot of this episode feels like if this was shot in multicam, it's like, oh, boy, they are really making a mess of this funeral. But then it's like shot really tenderly in some mm-hmm. moments. And you're like, huh? huh? What, what level of reality am I engaging with this at? I'm really glad that they didn't show the whole eulogy because I would have gotten tired of that bit really fast. They like cut. Yeah. And just did like a 12, 12 minutes later thing. But it definitely feels like it's out of a different show. I think that's just one of the biggest problems I'm having with A to Z. And maybe part of why it got canceled was it doesn't have a very firm identity. Like what kind of show does it want to be? Right. Right. Because it gives you the emotional pathos of something like a sorry, like a Scrubs or a th- um, like a, I don't know, one of those types of shows. But right. then it's also trying to be so wacky. Sorry, please continue what you're saying. Well, but also Scrubs does that but it just does it better somehow right because like scrubs is completely madcap and then it's like oh my god she's dead like it it is there's some tonal whiplash but they they do it somehow and it works um and i'm not quite sure what isn't working here you know Mm -hmm. um I think it might just be that it's like not as funny. And so when it tries to be funny, you're like, 
if this was funnier, I could forgive it. Because it's not like unfunny. There's there's lots of lines and things that I think are charming. But I think it's always kind of in that realm of like rom-com film funny where like characters are saying clever things. Um, and so that kind of uh, doesn't get to a point where it's like surprisingly where it surprises you with, with the way that it's funny. Exactly. Uh, it's funny when it needs, it's supposed to be funny and never yeah. more than that. So what ends up being the, the, the core and like the best part of, of Andrew and Zelda sing here is that Zelda is, she's frustrated that she isn't more emotional. You know, we're used to so mm-hmm. many stories of women in media being like overly emotional, but quite the opposite. Like Zelda's is playing against archetype there in this show and is uh, like this is like my mother figure ostensibly my mother's funeral and i'm not more emotional and andrew is just there to be like hey grief and this, again chats cannot escape shows that discuss grief because i think it just exists in all of our lives uh but he's like you know grief comes to everybody at different times sometimes it's a year from now sometimes it's five years sometimes it's a month and then you know the joke is she breaks down right there and uh-huh. That's when she goes back into archetype of like the emotional woman. But mm-hmm. what's funny about this is she's so aware. And I think this is Miliati's like skill as a performer is yeah. she's always aware of wh- what type of person she's playing. So even as she's crying, she's going, she's saying to all the people like, and I'm crying and I'm emotional for the first time. And they should know that. And let me have, like, mm-hmm. she's saying all of that in between yeah. tears. Yeah. And it's so funny. And so like, good because it's not just oh god my girlfriend is being emotional again you know yeah it feels i mean you know it could be that this was entirely scripted but it definitely feels somewhat improvisational mm-hmm. um or at least at the level of reality that good improv is where we're doing it but also we're not we all know we're doing some make ups right now so we can kind of comment on it too um and so there's these fun exchanges where Andrew's like, just let it out. And Zelda's like, I am letting it out. And that's amusing. So exactly. I think that was like the the funniest part of the episode to me. And we get a nice emotional close as they're listening to a cover band uh, at the at the funeral or at the, you know, the reception afterwards. And, you know, Andrew's a good boyfriend. He's there to listen yeah. to her and understand her. And she plays the piano. Yeah, I felt owned as a white person for loving this, but I did. And what are you gonna do? It's a good song. It's been yeah. it's Ben Harper. It's a cover of Ben Harper song. Uh, Just like the remember. the mandolin and the the amber lighting. I was like, all right, this is working. You got me. Yeah. Yep. 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 It it got me too. It's just like a bunch of people performing music at a funeral is a beautiful thing. Yeah. P- period. Ben Harper used to be married to Laura Dern? Huh? I gotta stop Googling people I say their names on the show. Um, And then, yeah, the episode ends with the meat plate coming back, which is cute. Stu's the nice person when the show, when the writing calls for it and not ever otherwise. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, me too. Did you have any quick stray notes on this one? Um, No. What was this Bob Needle, Bob Needle, Bob Dylan Needle Drop thing? Oh, there is like a transition where there's a harmonica solo, and I am pretty sure it's from a Bob Dylan song, but 
that that's it. It's like when we go to the funeral, I think they're playing the harmonica solo from um, Don't Think Twice It's All Right or something like that. Oh, maybe. But I could I, be mistaken. It could just have been a random harmonica solo. Possibly. Yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with Bob Dylan at all to know. He's got a lot of harmonica solos in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to move to the next episode? Yeah, let's do that. So next up this week, we watched Ease for Ectoplasm. This is another Ben Queen script. Co-written by Teresa Mulligan, directed by Eric Appel, aired October 30th, 2014. Spooky Halloween. Ooh, wow. Do you remember what you did on Halloween 2014? Halloween 2014? Gosh, golly. Um, No. 2014 that would have been junior year of college no i don't remember do you no god no i thought you would (laughs) probably preparing chats preparing chats like because it's it aired in like you know we we were doing buffy stuff at that point probably we're in like early buffy yeah so I don't know if we like planned that out. Uh, can you tell me what happened in this episode? I love this summary very much. Uh, I sure, I sure can. I'm just seeing if Facebook has any evidence of Halloween 2014. Oh. Um, okay, the summary for this episode. In this episode, Andrew and Zelda throw a Halloween party. Mm? Mm? <laughs> so what's there to say, Majon? What are your favorite Halloween episodes of TV? And don't say Community. Huh. Halloween episodes of TV. That's a good question. I'm trying to think. Um, I think there must have been some good Malcolm in the Middle ones, right? Oh, stuff. Yeah. Must have been. The Buffy ones, were those good? Yeah. The one where. Yeah. They, I mean, they're they like lower like important. Every other season or something. The lower important ones, the one where Xander gets military powers and they keep that. Like the storyline yeah, keeps that. That was interesting. Uh, Thir- Thirty Rock had one called Stone Mountain. I'm not familiar. I don't remember that. I'm sure if it okay. was described to me, I would, but I don't yeah. off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I don't know. How I Met Your Mother, Slutty Pumpkin. Nah. <laughs> Freaks and Geeks, Tricks and Treats. That's an okay episode of Freaks and Geeks. Sure. Uh, in 2013, I dressed up in like hazmat suits with gas masks with my friend Calvin. We were doing a Breaking Bad thing. Uh, wow, that's good. You know what? That's good. Yeah. Uh, Treehouse of Horror. That's my cop out answer. Oh sure. For my own question. Oh sure. But that's right. It's yeah. an easy one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's easy, but it's it's correct. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So East Ectoplasm primarily concerns Stu and Steffi being invited because uh, Andrew and Zelda are worried they're going to feel neglected. Like, oh, as a couple, we're going to host a Halloween party. Uh, instead of doing what we usually do, you know, Stu and uh, and Andrew usually dress as the Ghostbusters. Eighties nostalgia. And Steffi and Zelda usually dress as Laverne and Shirley because they moved into the house that season six and eight exterior shots of Laverne and Shirley's house were filmed uh, when they moved in together. So they got obsessed with the show as a result. And every year they dress as Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. I, something I really liked about about that plot point is the show the show's set in LA, which doesn't 
isn't motivated by anything except that it was filmed in LA, right? Yeah, it's because like just justify everything. Tech job doesn't really say LA. Like young and in love rom com doesn't really say LA. There are other places where you might set that sort of a story. But I like that the Laverne and Shirley thing is this very hyper specific random kind of like LA plot, which felt like a cooler Halloween backstory than we like the Ghostbusters. Wow. What a good movie. So I was a fan of that. Yeah, for me this episode was mostly good costumes and uh a a plot that I relate to, even though I felt like it didn't it wasn't during the episode that I was like, Oh my god, that's so me. Like I didn't see myself in this feeling of like, You're betraying me, no, how dare you go out with your girlfriend instead of me? Like I'm not uh-huh. like that. But I have like felt friendships grow more distant as the friend gets into a serious relationship. Right, right. And that part's definitely relatable to anyone. Uh, but like, I'm not here trying to beg or trick my friends or whatever into mm. doing things with me. It's, it's sometimes it's like I'm watching I, these characters are older than me, but I feel like I'm more mature than them in some ways. Uh, I don't know if that's yeah. weird to say. Are these characters older than us, or they must I be right or like, right around our age? I think they're like a couple years younger than us. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was feeling a similar thing where it's like, okay. This plot is a real thing. And the the plot to the last one is real too. Like, uh, I can't really control the fact that like this huge life event just happened, but we're so early in our relationship. Like, is it time for this? That that felt like a real sort of a thing to me. Um, mm-hmm. But in this one, yeah, it, it's a thing that when people get in relationships, there's distance between them and their friends. But it felt like the beats of this were like the high school sitcom version. Yeah, of it, there it is. I was just about to like, say that. Oh, are you? You're gonna forget about me? Like you're gonna? It's like, have you? Is this like your first rodeo? Like, have you not watched a TV show or had a friend who had a partner or something? Like, why is this the way we're navigating this as twenty-something adults? It it felt a little a little strange to me that's uh, that's so know. true because once you've been in a couple or you've been in, like you've been in a couple of relationships or you have friends that have you uh-huh. start to realize that this really only lasts like a week to maximum a month of like yeah. i never see them anymore and then both adults realize huh we are more interesting and enjoy each other's company more when we don't spend a hundred percent of our time together let's involve our friends in our lives a little bit and spend some time apart because it makes us love each other more that's how yeah relationships work uh but yeah, this is like in high school where you're like, my friend has a girlfriend now. He never talks to him anymore. It's like the fuck, like <laughs> grow yeah. up. You know how to, you can't. We learn to balance these things. It's a hard thing to balance, but by the right. age that they're at in the show, they're not usually dealing with that as much. Yeah. So it's another situation where I feel like Stu and Steffi are just like lagging behind the rest of the show, um, but they get some good like sitcommy back and forthness in this, which I enjoy a lot. Um, and of course, it's a Halloween episode, so everybody's in fun costumes, which is another big plus. Um, just a straight note, by the way, before talking about what happens. Um, I noticed this week that uh, when Katie Se- Siegel is at the beginning of the episode saying that, like, you know, Andrew and Zelda were in a relationship for X number of months, days, weeks. Uh-huh. 
the number's going down every episode. Yeah, wait, that happened, right? Yeah, I, I, I just started noticing it this week. Is it that that's like a countdown, like how much is left? I think so. It's because it's going linearly down. Because I, th- I think when we started, it was like eight months, whatever, whatever. Because she's saying they will be in a relationship for so much time. So it, in, that must be what it is, right? In D is for Debbie, she says eight months, two days, and one hour. In E is for ectoplasm, she yeah, said... Yeah, in one of these episodes, she says seven months. So it must be that it's a countdown to for what's yeah. left. In F is for fight for fight, she says seven months, one week, four days, three hours. So they're totally, yeah, they're counting down. Interesting. Mm. That is interesting. Fun detail. It's a fun, interesting detail. I like that theme song, by the way. I like how it cuts in and out of the episode as as an audio person. It's too short, but yeah. uh, I, I like the way that it fades. Um, So let's talk about Halloween stuff. Yeah. So they're trying to plan a party. Oh, how do we plan a party? What are we going to theme after? The French stuff or Ghostbusters stuff? The best joke mm-hmm. out of all of this is that Steffi is positive we need to have... um brie cheese like a bunch of brie available i agree with her by the way (laughs) and fucking Stu is like i know we're gonna have munster and then again this is the thing where the (laughs) actor who plays Stu is funniest when the cat the the camera isn't focusing on him the camera goes back to andrew and zelda and you hear Stu go like i mean at least it sounds like the munsters (laughs) (laughs) i just i'm a sucker for a good uh, old sitcom reference to be honest yeah. Uh, my funny point, by the way, about like the whole Andrew and Stu being Ghostbusters thing mm-hmm. is I love my new headcanon for A to Z is that Andrew and Stu uh, were in Stranger Things. And that means uh. that they dealt with the Demogorgon. They ate the hot wings. They <laughs> fought. <laughs> they fought Vecna uh, and they survived the upside down and they came out and worked at a tech company in 2014. Uh-huh. And this is just their lives from this point forward. Right, because they were they said that they were kids in the 80s, which means that the timeline works out perfectly that they would have been in Stranger Things. So I don't know what town that show takes place in, but this those kids growing up and becoming tech bros is like the funniest tragic ending, (laughs) in my (laughs) opinion. Pretty funny, yeah. Um, yeah, the whole Ghostbusters thing turns into a Ray Parker Jr. gag. We actually got the real singer Ray Parker Jr. here. Mm -hmm. Sure. when they did it in the credits, I was like, "Stop! I want to skip this." And there's so so lifeless. Like, what a bummer that was. No, co- no comedy to that scene. Literally, just like we got Ray Parker Jr. to do Ghostbusters, and everyone in the cast goes, "Yay! Yeah, this is the song." Like, huh? Yeah, there's just some stuff here, uh, and this feels maybe this is even you know you mentioned community. Maybe this is even like a post community kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels sometimes in this show that they're doing stuff that is referential, but not funny, but they're yes. like doing a reference. And that this is like a 2010s internet thing yes. too. Um, so it's not isolated to the show. Um, but that definitely felt like one of those moments where they're saying, look, the thing from the thing. And you're like, uh-huh. Okay. Because, like, guys, the blueprint was right there. 13 going on 30 showed you how to do the throwback (laughs) song dance party and make it incredibly meaningful and good. Yeah, it was a classic by 2014. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, and they, just, that I'm not amused by that. Those ages track as well, close enough, I think, that mm. these guys could have been doing thriller. I think the difference is that community uses its references and in- integrates them into the plot. Whereas right. what ATC is doing and what a lot of shows of this era did was go like, look, Ray Parker Jr. from Ghostbusters. And you're like, yeah, okay. And they're like, no, like, look, like, it's him. And you're like, yeah, I know. That's cool. You guys hired an actor. Or you hired a musician. Right. Cool. Do something with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, we'll do something. Like, he plays a song. Like, no, that's not something. Yeah. Because there's like, I don't know. I, I think that is something, yeah, that is a missed opportunity in this episode is you say, okay, Zelda and Steffi are Laverne and Shirley. Okay. Andrew and Stu are the Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. We're not using that or riffing on that or taking a stylistic cues from that. It feels like this is the sort of like that's something that would fly again in like a multicam show where it's like, ah ha ha ha, they're the Ghostbusters. Isn't that funny? But like yeah. Now that you are free from that stock, that like static setup, you have a single camera, you can do all sorts of stuff. You can like do a Ghostbusters homage, or you can do a like Laverne and Shirley gag and kind of set it up. And like there's that moment where Stu makes some reference to the show that I didn't understand because I haven't seen it. Um, but you know, they could have done a little bit more in the community way where. You know, not necessarily do an entire pastiche of the source material, but like make nods and do stuff the way that like in the Halloween episode when Abed is Batman and all of a sudden he's doing like a Batman speech or something. Mm-hmm. It's like you can do stuff like that and they just don't really. I don't really do much with that. Yeah. I had a wallflower question. Yeah, I was going to pivot to talk about Wallflower. Let's do it. This is kind of... So before we get into the Wallflower stuff in this episode, uh, this is kind of a question from the first one uh, that I forgot I had, which is Stu is like nervously trying to secure his job by demonstrating value for the company. Mm-hmm. And it made me wonder, what what is Stu's job? Sorry, what is Andrew's job? Do they oh. say it? No, I think he's a like an engineer, like a, a web software engineer. They just don't really say it, do they? Because in this episode, they or last episode, they they literally write Stu's title is like head of in- innovation or something because the problem is he's never innovating, which is supposed oh, to be ironic. They write okay. it like because because he gets fired and, he, and and Lydia is like, oh, you're never innovating, and then there's like this really corny like white uh, marker text overlay that's like Stu, head of innovation, and it's like, okay, cool, we have a title, but what does Andrew do? I don't know. Yeah, that was that was just something to me that was another indicator of this is a show in 2014 that uh, isn't really taking on this industry in an interesting way because I feel like now I have a a way better understanding of like the potential jobs and roles at a tech company than this show does. And I don't work at a tech company and I never have. Um, but like it feels insufficient to me what they're doing. Um, and it feels honestly as insufficient as what they're doing with Zelda and Steffi where it's like, ah, lawyers, I don't know. They've got a case, I guess that they're taking on or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just is kind of funny. Like 
again, it's sort of missed opportunity of wouldn't Andrew's job like like if he's like a a UX designer or something, then it's like, okay, yeah, that feels like that's meaningful. Or if he's like a, you know, marketing guy, it's like, okay, there's something there. So a little bit of character, maybe we can play off some themes or something, mm-hmm. but no, nah, he's just like a guy at a, at a desk. Yeah. And you know, on the small scale, on like what does Andrew and what does Stu and they, them do? We don't talk about wallflowers, like you know, minute shot, but we do talk about like the the thing. This is so that Lydia can have a plot line, and Howard can have a plot line. Yeah. Is what they're dealing with is actually kind of interesting. We need to have a banner couple to invite to our uh, to our you know, Halloween party. This is related to what Stu does last episode, which is that if I have this YouTuber join our app, then it'll bring more people in. That's a very common thing that like Tinder did for a while. I think they still sort of do where it's like, Oh my God, I match with like not Beyonce, but like a YouTuber. And like, I might match with them and DM them, but it's like, you're not actually going to date them. It's just like the feeling of, Oh, you might get somebody famous. Um, Mm. So in this, it's like, Oh, if we bring like a successful couple to our Halloween party and take photos and do promotion, then it's going to be like, wow, look at you. This could be you. And the Mm -hmm. problem that they quickly realize is like, they don't have a successful, the quintessential couple because Mm -hmm. the longest lasting one were like in the hospital or something. Uh, Like there was like some circumstance or they were fighting or whatever. So they're not available. And it was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, all their like other ones are weird or like, as Lydia says, like ugly or, you know, not, not picturesque because that's, like what she's looking for. So she eventually settles on like, okay, what couples are around me? She sees Andrew and Zelda and says, you guys are now the portrait of wallflower, even though did they meet on wallflower? Right. No. So like, she just (laughs) says that and makes up this whole thing and invites this other like analyst woman slash photographer. And is like, look, they've been together for five years and not a month. And, this causes them to be anxious about their relationship because the woman's like, you know, if you guys were only dating for a month and you'd still be sleeping with other people, which, uh, huh? Yeah. Not, not necessary. Say. What a thing to say. Um, eventually Lydia realizes that they are not the couple she wants. And truly there exists no like perfect lovey dovey couple. Even when she sees Dinesh and Lara and is like, maybe, but they're not even dating. They're literally not even dating. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's kind of like a comedy of errors that honestly ends in like a really great moment with Howard and Lydia talking. First of all, Howard uh-huh. one underrated MVP of the episode with oh, his yeah. fucking Always um, MVP. Charlie Charlie Chaplin costume. Yeah, that's great. Lydia is Amelia Earhart. He's Charlie Chaplin. There's some sort of energy there being given. I can't pinpoint it. Yeah. And they say, you know, dating apps are definitely for like fun, having fun and being like a sexy single and getting out there. But they don't, and they point to like two couples making out. But they're not for love. They're not for like meeting people long term. It doesn't work like that very well, mm-hmm. which is is like more complicated now. I think you can certainly find long term relationships on dating apps, but uh-huh. it's sort of interesting that they draw the line of like it. It'll never work. We've accepted that it'll just never work. Um, yeah, what do you I think, think it about gets. That? It gets back to a thing that I think is fundamentally like not good or bad, but just unusual about the setup of the show, which is we're going to make this online dating service such a central 
aspect of the like background and context of this world, but we are going to very decisively make our main characters not people who met through this service, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which kind of inherently from minute one both makes it sort of like, why, wait, why is Wallflower like such a key part of this world? Uh, You know, are you, and then two, it's like, are you making a point that like dating online is bad or that you can't meet people that way? But why not demonstrate that through the characters and why not have them meet on Wallflower and they're trying to navigate their relationship that way? I don't know. It just is, it's sort of, I don't get why that was the choice, I guess. Mm -hmm. Maybe it makes more sense in 2014 when this like wave of dating apps feels more faddish probably is what it was. And yeah. You know, now in 2023, uh, it's not a fad. Like, this has become an integral part of the landscape of being a an adult in modern-day society is, like, you definitely know people who have met their partners through this sort of means, if not being someone who has done that yourself. Um, and in 2014, I'm sure that was a lot more rare. Right. So, you know just in hindsight it's kind of like yeah you could have like tackled these things a lot more directly um and uh yeah because then also you know the whole other kind of part of what's going on here is the episode is trying to make this case for well is it weird that andrew and zelda are throwing a party together after a month like should they feel like a month is special um which i I liked, I thought worked. I liked that Zelda was like, Ooh, month anniversary. I'm trying it on. Oh, I kind of like it. Um, but it, it, you undercut that when you have them kind of magically meet each other and have a rom-com meet cute and then have them say, God, Ooh, ooh, a month. I don't know. Cause if you had had them meet on wallflower and then do this kind of month anniversary thing, I think you could have had a plot where it's like, well, but we didn't have like a magical sitcom meet cute. So how do we know that this is like the thing? And I don't know. That just feels like there would have been more genuine um, doubt there as mm-hmm. opposed to the show is like so clearly making them seem destined for each other that this whole, you know, kind of wishy-washy is it okay for us to throw a Halloween party together thing didn't quite land for me. Agreed. I mean, like, again, I don't want to pry, but like how long in your relationship was it until you guys were like, we should have people over and like do gatherings, you know? Cause you don't um, live together, right? Correct. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, having people, we definitely were like, like in, a, starting, in a like, let's have a party kind of way, not like a let's have Alan come visit for a day. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would never be like, let's have a party. <laughs> yuck, uh, yuck, yuck, yuck. Um, but uh, I joke, but I was attached to my girlfriend's Halloween party, actually, that mm-hmm. she threw this past Halloween and I co-hosted part of it or co-hosted it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um 
and that was five what is that about almost five months in um so that you know felt like it made sense um but it was it was me kind of like being on the, being in the sidecar of the parties like her and her roommate were throwing a party and it's like and magellan's also helping but yeah. now we're like at seven months and we're like thinking about oh we want to host like a trivia event or something like that so yeah. we're, we're there now mm-hmm. um but but you know we we met on um a dating app and we uh i think for that kind of like why i want the show to be characters that met in that way is because we were in a position early in our relationship where it's like, okay, this feels pretty good, but like, does it feel too good? Like, are we like still performing in the dating app way? Yeah. It's not even that necessarily. It's more just like, how long is it supposed to be? Like, how many months is it supposed to be before you're allowed to feel like it's good? You know what I mean? Huh. Yeah. Uh, And, like, that, I think, is something that this episode is trying to get at, um, where Zelda's like, oh, I feel really excited about this. And and Stu and Steffi say, like, this is different. This is a special Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And as an audience member, I'm just sitting there like, I know it's a special thing because they their eyes met from across the room and it was love at first sight. Duh. But, you know, if it was a more grounded meeting that didn't have that kind of like uh, that kind of destiny to it, then their friends being like, actually, you know what? I I was being a jerk. Like, this is a really special thing. I think that would have been a more meaningful concession for me as a as a mm-hmm. viewer anyway but anyway well said just, i appreciate you being comfortable talking about that stuff yeah but it's just not you know it to a certain extent like i can't really judge the show for what it's not i have to meet it on it on its terms, on its terms. and see what it's doing um and in that respect i think the episode does a serviceable job of telling the plot of like uh, my our friends are, you know, not paying as much attention to us, and that's kind of hard to talk about. Like mm-hmm. it does that capably, um, and it's an entertaining. Episode. Do I not pay as much attention to you? Hmm? Are you feeling that about your own relationship that I don't because you're in a relationship? I'm not paying. I'm, I, your friend, am not paying enough. Att- <laughs> this is not a conversation for the podcast. Oh no, that's not what I meant. I meant like me being in a relationship, not paying. Oh, much attention oh, to you. oh, oh! I don't feel that for what it's worth. Oh. Okay. Uh, oh, I'll make sure you feel that then. <laughs> um, no, no. <laughs> I had a couple of quick hits about this episode, if you don't mind. Yeah. Just get us out of here. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Zelda has the best line of the episode when she walks through the party and realizes that most of the women are, and I'm sick of Halloween episodes doing this, but all of the women are sexy costumes. Boring. Uh, yeah. That's boring. The best line, though, is it smells like exposed breasts in here. Yeah. Which is such a specific, vivid image that you know what that means, even though it's like gross and you doesn't seem like it makes sense. Uh-huh. And then number two best line of the episode, uh, Lydia being mad that, that people don't know how to improvise and finally making this a show that takes place <laughs> in California. I just yeah. assumed everyone in this town had been through level one improv. That's a fun line. Uh, yeah. I love it. And then just quickly, my third one was when, so Dinesh 
and Laura have a little thing in this episode. Dinesh is Magnum PI, and Laura is uh, Wednesday Adams, I guess. She's like goth, basically. Sure, sure. Uh, he like sneaks into the like vents or something to do to be sneaky or whatever, and falls out and lands on the floor of the party. And then mm-hmm. a sexy nurse in like high socks or whatever puts a uh, like cartoon stethoscope up to him and goes, "He's dead!" And then he gets up uh. two seconds later, and I was like, "That's really funny." Yeah, I uh, I had a couple of stray notes. I I I was amused by um, I think Howard calls him Mario Super Mario, and yeah. he says Magnum PI. <laughs> Magnum PI. Funny mistake. And then uh, he talks about trying to climb through the. We didn't even talk about this whole nerd jail thing. It's a, it's uh, silly. Nothing. Silly. Nothing. Um, anyway, he's like climbing through the vent or trying. He's thinking about it. Uh, and then um, it's like, oh, I don't think you can make it through. And he says, are you calling me husky? And she says, no, I'm calling you stupid, but in like a, t- a tender way. In a nice, nice way, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then my favorite visual gag that was like so clever was there are the people stuck in the quote-unquote VIP room where they're hiding all the Wallflower employees, and you cut to a mime who's like trying to open the door with the handles and then somebody who's not a mime with their hands up against the glass. <laughs> God, I thought that was really funny. It's so good. Miming, it's always funny. Yeah. Uh, is that what we got? That's what I got, yeah. Groovy, bluevy. Magellan, let's take a brief musical break. We'll be back. We have an email to read, and then we will be discussing the final episode this week. F is for fight, fight, fight. Welcome back to A to Chats. A to Chats. I'm still Magellan. That's still Alan. Hey, Alan. The Canadian version of Chats. A to Chats. Chat Z. Chat Z. You know what's fun? The Canadians? Yeah. What else is fun? This show, okay, it wanted to go A to Z, but it only made it A to M. You know what what else is A to M? Alan to Magellan? Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, my God. We're feeding the shippers a little bit every season. Just that t- mm. crumbs, crumbs. I'm Zelda. What the fuck, dude? You know what? Yeah, you are Zelda. In personality-wise, I'm going to give that to you. <clears throat> you are Zelda. I'll be Lydia. The problem with the oh. Lydia and Howard relationship is that they can't be gay for each other. Sorry. Actually, they can. <laughs> Let me tell you about gender. We're going to talk a lot about gender for the next 20 <laughs> Yeah, minutes. we are. We're going to talk quite a bit about gender. Speaking of it, the, there was something I wanted to bring up in uh, D is for Debbie that I forgot, mm-hmm. which is that it starts with another moment of like, God, I love sports. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sports. oh, he's inviting her to the game or whatever. We're going to go to the game to see the sports. And uh, let's just say there's a lot more of that sort of energy happening in F is for Fight, Fight, Fight. So this episode was written by Ben Queen and Donald Diego, directed by David Wayne. What? 
Now that's funny. It now aired on funny. November 6th, 2014. Alan, what happened in fight, fight, F is for fight, 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 fight. In this episode, Andrew wants to show off his tougher side to Zelda, but an accident outside of a bar leaves her fending for herself. That's not what happens. In an effort to right the ship, Andrew overcompensates to prove his manliness, and the results are far worse than anticipated. So that's subjective. Meanwhile, Steffi convinces Zelda to take on a big case involving Frank, a hunky farmer being bullied by a large biotech company, but her intentions to help extend far beyond his penis, I mean his pending suit. Um... (laughs) Magellan, I hate to break it to you because I love David Wayne very much and I think that he's an incredible writer and actor and performer. He didn't write, he didn't write this. I know, but, I'm, but, in, in the, but in the fact that he directed this episode makes me feel comfortable saying this is my least favorite episode of A to Z by far. Oh. By which, far. which part was your least favorite? The, the gender stuff? Or? or the other gender stuff. Yeah. Probably the gender stuff. <laughs> yeah. Probably. I'm sorry, David. You're you you good do good you good pretty good director. I think you're funny, but oh my god! And the fact that the fucking Steffi plot is about farmers being pushed out by biotech companies, and we don't talk about that. Instead, we give a hot guy a check and say like, "I want to have sex with a hot guy." It's like, guys, uh, right? Stop! I, I hate this. I'm sick of the fucking gender shit. <laughs> even when even when i feel like i was J, your fucking go co-host off. jkk go there off, for a second off, i sounded like justin no i'm just sick of the gender shit because even though the end of the episode is like it's okay to be sensitive it treats it like it's teaching kids or something like it's sesame street it's like it's okay to be a fucking femboy or it's okay to be sensitive <laughs> sorry right. it's not a femboy at all it's like why it feels so 101 i feel like this is baby's first like feminism or something and nowadays right. Every single couple I know is sensitive boy, tough girl. Every single couple in relationship <laughs> that I know. Well, actually, no, that's not true. I, I know one that's not that. But, like, almost every one of them is. This is so common now. Wait, are you saying I'm not a tough guy? What the hell? I got big muscles. <laughs> I got the big muscles. I'm a big, strong boy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You are a big, strong boy, but you're not this tough Thank guy. What did you think of the episode? You. Hey, you know, there's there's a thing here that is something, which is like we've been taught all our lives particular lessons about gender. We are watching a show ostensibly with these cisgender heterosexual characters, presumably. I mean, we don't know every single thing about Buddy. them. But, <laughs> but we know. <laughs> but let's just... It, probably that's what's happening here. Um, and people who are in cisgender heterosexual relationships have a lot of unlearning to do about their gender and gender roles. And that's a thing. Yeah. And it's entirely possible that a man and a woman may find themselves in a situation where something really terrible happens to the woman in public and before the like knowledge brain kicks into gear, the kind of like socialization part of the brain kicks into gear. And then you have to process that and figure out like, hmm, in that situation, like we both had a set of expectations that actually don't make sense or like that we need to unpack a little bit. 
but this episode is not ready and equipped to do that particularly responsibly because we just spend so much time in the like like you're saying getting to the like 101 conclusion which is zelda saying you don't have to beat guys up for me i don't want you to do that and that's like step one of the much more interesting version of this plot where like we spend more time unraveling that and figuring out where that comes from and like exploring more situations where these like toxic masculine things show up in our relationship like the fact that it ends and the kind of like sweet ending is that zelda pretends to be scared of a bug so that he can kill a bug is like that's not the end of this in their relationship right yeah we we could have easily done this episode where we have this bug moment in like the second act and zelda's now trying to like cater to andrew's fragility and pretend to be scared of things and then Uh that becomes something that comes out and he's like well hold on you're pretending to be scared of bugs and she's like i don't know you just seemed like so upset and uh, 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 like there's more sitcom there um so i don't know that that's a long way of saying you know i think there's a germ of, of an idea here yeah that is just not it's not interesting what they do with it and it's like kind of a little bad (laughs) it's my review of eight to z the television show yeah to be honest yeah there's like i think they are selecting the kind of like core questions well um yes they're just not really answering them Mm -hmm. uh so that's that's my thought on this one i don't want to talk too much about the plot of this but no. I think we've hit a lot of great points already. So basically, Andrew and Zelda, they have... And again, this is like a scenario that people do deal with. And I'm not in any position of authority to give the listener of chats of relationship advice. But mm. you should probably talk about your roles as masculine or masculine-leaning or feminine-leaning people in your own relationships. Even if you're not in a cis-hetero relationship. Like, you should at least sure. think about that or be conscious of that. So that when something like this happens, you know, like, who speaks up? Do either of us speak up? Are we the type of people to avoid this kind of conflict? Uh, do we yell at the guy? Do we punch the guy? Like, what are you, who does, like, what's the role here? And it's whatever you yeah. want. Nobody has to be the guy. Nobody has to be the girl. Whatever the fuck. So, like, to see Zelda take the charge here and throw the guy's flip-flop and everyone's like, damn, you did that, is, like, pretty fun. Because it shows that, like, Zelda's not the type of person who wants someone to dote over her we know that from minute one because we're paying attention i think then where the issue for me with this episode and why it's my least favorite is that andrew spends the whole rest of the episode figuring out what we figured out in five minutes right so yeah he's like i've done something wrong here Mm -hmm. yeah and it's just not interesting to have that moment where zelda like throws the guy's sandal on the roof and then the camera swoops up to andrew's face like what do you think about this I don't care, to be honest. I mean, on some level, sure, I'm interested in him processing what that means for him and his gender identity. But, like, a little bit later, (laughs) what does Zelda think about this? Like, how's she doing right now? I don't know. And the, you know, I do appreciate 
that for once this is an episode where Zelda's not the one who has something wrong with them that needs to be fixed because it feels like you know in the in Dias for Debbie it's like okay Zelda has like an issue with being emotionally vulnerable and we got to fix it and the resolution of the episode is that we fix Zelda and there's other episodes where they've done that sort of thing mm-hmm. so I'm glad that like there's a thing that Andrew needs to work on in this one um and it is kind of an interesting reveal when he's all in his head about like I'm gonna get Zelda to have sex with me tonight. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't hear what she's saying. And then later you realize that she was complaining about all this stress that she's feeling, and he's like, Hey, you wanna have sex with me tonight? That's there's something there, but I kind of would have rather just had an episode that balanced the two of their perspectives on this event, you know? Right. Andrew of, just like, has to learn here. Right, and also we don't get like any of Zelda's interiority because the story is told entirely from Andrew's point of view in this one. Continues to be a problem in the series. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and the other like bad gender thing that we are talking around is the fucking bit where they're also in the street and he sees an Abe Lincoln costume sign thrower and feels mm-hmm. like, oh my god, this is my time to be the alpha male. Mm-hmm. And of course they do a gender thing where he tackles them and it's a woman with a deep voice and he's like, I thought you were a man. And she says, like, screw you, buddy. And then later he's like, she, I, he, I mean, she, and it's like, good Lord, it's 2014. Do better. Yeah. Do a, do a right. little better, guys. Oh, my God. It feels like this is a show in the modern day being written by people who wrote shows in the 80s. Like this, this like joke, this yeah. plot line would make sense in like, like uh i don't know what's a sitcom from the 80s <laughs> I can't, I can't there's so many sitcoms in my head like laverne and Shirley. yeah yeah <laughs> Actually, that one's not a bad example because it's like two but anyways like it feels like a plot that was written by people who knew how to write in the 80s yeah i mean it makes me wonder like you know was this to what extent is a to z a good representation of like the general pop culture zeitgeist in 2014 mm-hmm. versus because now in 2023, like this is regressive. This, this does not play the way no. that this plot is done at all. Um, in 2014, I, I mean, you know, I was not particularly enlightened to this sort of stuff in 2014. I don't think I batted an eye at this plot when I watched it. Um, and you were also you know, in that... college though oh we, what do you mean like you were a lot younger than the people writing the show is what i'm saying sure 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 yeah i'm not necessarily trying to give them a pass like i, I do think that they did an oopsie here um i'm just thinking for ourselves in how we like situate this show in 2014 i'm trying to retrieve is a to z like doing the level of gender non-analysis that was c- common in 2014 or like you're saying is it an unusually dated mm-hmm. set of values uh or was 2014 unusually dated i guess is kind of what i'm wondering about uh i don't remember but my guess is that probably there was not another network sitcom that was doing this subject matter any better than this 
probably. I, I think that exactly. It's a network network sitcoms of the time were dated, even in the in the time period. And yeah. this is a thing I'm noticing a lot with Ben Queen is that he like writes in a style that feels old in the era it's coming out in. Like Drive yeah. feels like it's a show from the early 2000s or from the late 90s, not from 2007. And right. A to Z feels like it's from the late 2000s, not from 2014. Like he's always just a little bit behind in and that's partly mm. like a network thing. I'm not blind, I'm not putting that on entirely on his shoulders, but it's just a trend that keeps coming up in his works. So that's why I'm like buddy. Yeah. Um yeah. I want to blast through this though. So don't have yeah. too much else to say that we've we haven't already hit on. Blast it. Uh Steffi dealing with the hot farmer guy. I think that there was potential to talk about biotech stuff here. I don't think this is the show to talk about that, but <laughs> I thought it was no. interesting. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, Stu doing the Pink Panther Cato thing is another example of the writers being born in the 80s and or growing up in the 80s right. and being like, we want people to look this up and be smart when they talk about it at dinner parties or whatever. Right. Like, Here's the reference. Yeah. Just do the reference. He jumps out like Cato from Pink Panther because that's what they liked when they were kids. It's not funny at all, except the last time he does it is really funny because it actually scared me even then. Nah. <laughs> um. Steffi does briefly admit that she ha she wants what Andrew and Zelda have, which is a nice moment of like, I know, you know, I keep looking for all these hot guys and these hookups, but maybe I want a boyfriend. And it's like, okay, this is very good character. This is this is character development for Steffi, finally. Uh -huh. Not great, but uh -huh. whatever. Um, this episode threw me for a loop early on when Howard, right after Zelda asks Steffi if she has, she says like, are you sure you're excited about the farmer in your head? Because you're giving you a good feeling in your brain, not a good feeling downstairs suggesting that Steffi gets quote-unquote lady boners. Uh, and then immediately the next scene is bu Howard busts in the door of Wallflower and tells uh, Big Bird, he goes, so I was watching Jerry Maguire last night. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, he references Jerry Maguire and then she references Michael Bloomberg. They could just not be missing oh. each other anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're in different <laughs> universes. Pretty it's fantastic. Yeah. The oh, and then also Howard referencing the thing I quote I referenced earlier. My buddy Tucker, it's his boyfriend. You guys, <laughs> yeah. it's weird that Big Bird says because she her whole thing is like I sit in the office with the employees to be like them, and they all call you a big a weird asexual nothing. It's because they don't understand how gay people work, uh, Lydia. It's really simple. <laughs> That's why he doesn't talk uh, about the hookups is because he doesn't talk about them. Yeah. Um. Dissonance is a dating app concept brought up by uh, Dinesh and Laura about like the difference between like what you expect from your partner or what they say that they want on a dating app, but what they actually want, like how women will say, like, I want a sensitive mm -hmm. guy, but they actually want like a, like a muscular muscle man. Um, mm -hmm. There is something to that that's actually pretty still pretty relevant today. I just think that most people, at least in my like age range, are a dating pool know that that's what's happening we like know how dating apps work so if you say mm -hmm. you want something the conversation can bring out what you actually want not the like interested in this this and that like you know does that make sense sort of like we already know People yeah know this. yeah sure 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 i see what you're saying like this idea i i think this is something that i liked in this episode mm -hmm. um because it felt like they were engaging with um what is like novel about the setting to them in 2014, which is this idea of someone on a dating app. You know, it's kind of like a social media concept more broadly of like, now you have 
control over how you are how you present like you have yeah. this really kind of considered control over what that image looks like um and that may look entirely different from your real life or your real preferences yes and in 2014 that's a newish idea and yeah like you're saying in 2023 nobody's sitting around being like you know what i realized about dating apps is like it's like yeah i know we know we're all doing it we're doing it um but i like that they took this concept because because that feels like kind of an old sitcom concept like she says she likes a sensitive guy but doesn't she want me to have like a 12 inch dick and like huge biceps or whatever Um, she wants both (laughs) right it's the secret. Mm-hmm. She wants twelve-inch biceps and a huge all the above personality. Oh my god! Like you just can't put your arms over your head because you squish your, <laughs> arms. squish your own head. Uh, the anyway, yeah. So like that's kind of an old sitcom concept of like, but wouldn't you want me to be a hot guy? But they're updating it in a way that I think uh, works, which. Yep. It is this this dissonance concept thing. I have nothing else to say about this episode. I've run out of notes. What? I really like the Howard Lydia plot in this one. I thought yeah. it was fun. The too. yelling about the PowerPoint presentations when she's like, oh, okay, so I have to be tough. She slaps him and he says, I thought we said no rings. No rings? Kinky. Kinky. Yeah. Kinky. 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 Um, and then he's going around the office and just quietly being like meeting in 10 and everyone is scrambling to serve his every whim because they're terrified of him and feel bad for him for getting slapped. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all pretty good. Yeah. There's like a, there's some sexy talk at the end about Fro- Froyo and Mochi. And that's hot. Fun. That's actually hot for once. Finally. Yeah. Maybe I could come home, come home later and do some chores. She says, what kind of chores? He says, I was, uh- not prepared for you to ask me that question (laughs) maybe the hardest i laughed in the episode yeah pretty good fellas most girls want this actually they want you to be a good listener and to do chores and to be self like sufficient that's really sexy not most girls most people want that that's like really hot across the board do that yeah yeah i think that really the thing is like i think the thing that like men in conversations with other men um i i heard this this was a while ago and this is obviously a very gendered thought but like what i think what toxic masculinity does is it puts men in conversations with other men where they're trying to figure out like the one thing that all women want and the fact of the matter is people want different things yeah like maybe some women would like for you to be shirtless hot farm guy and maybe some would not. And maybe some don't like men. And uh, maybe some of them like all men. <laughs> like it's, there's all sorts of different preferences. And you might just be with somebody who happens to like you. Mm-hmm. And that's how that is. Uh, which is, you know, the fundamental yeah, I- de- deprogramming that has to happen here exactly there's nothing wrong with being big muscles magoo farmer man that's kind of hot as well your local neighborhood bisexual here to tell you it's all valid to someone all Uh of your weird quirks and things you don't like about yourself are really sexy and really attractive to somebody else so just find that person or find that type of person and work together Mm -hmm. and talk talk about it right um 
gender. It's the gender episode of A to Z. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got. Surprise! Surprise! We're not doing GS for gender, but. I... Oh yeah, we already burned it. We burned it. Do you want to know what G does stand for? I do. Tell me what we're watching. Time? Yes, tell me. I will. Oh, I found a a way to get quick summaries for you. Okay. Good. You ready? Yes. So next time we're watching three more episodes of A to Z. First, we are watching G is for Geronimo. Andrew finds a demo tape of Zelda's and tries to help her pursue her dream of becoming a singer. A new side of Big Bird is revealed. Okay, that sounds like a pretty good episode. Okay. H is for Hostile Takeover. Andrew starts to realize how much his friends influence his decisions. Andrew confronts Big Bird about Wallflower's new business strategy. Okay. And then episode nine, I is for ill communication. Andrew and Zelda seek their friend's help in finding the perfect Christmas gifts for each other. A longtime customer at Wallflower tells the local news about her unsuccessful matching experience. Bingus. Bingus, indeed. All right, well, that has been our discussion this time around of A to Z. Um, gentlemen, before we take it to the close, I'd like to read this email that we received from a friend of the podcast, Nick. Uh, it's Great. It's subject line 13 under or at 13 question. Just came in right under the wire. Perfect timing, Nick. It says, question for chats. If we were to imagine A to Z as another superhero themed show to better fit with 13 under or at 13 part two, what superpowers would best fit Andrew and Zelda? And if you want their friend circles too, to still be a super rom-com sitcom. Stu's superpower is already established as always knowing what the most annoying thing a best friend could say is, but somehow still stay best friends and happy to hear other ideas. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Nick. Superpowers for A to Z. I think Andrew needs... I feel like he needs, like, God power, like Goku invincibility power, because then he's going to be, like, uh, the guy from... uh, What's the, the thing where being a nerd is good? What's the book that's made into a Steven Spielberg movie? Ready Player um, One. Yeah, Ready Player One. He's got Ready Player One powers. He gets super protagonist powers. That's uh-huh. the like how they would write it. I would give him like, oh, I would give him the ability to change gender at will. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he can really see the other side. Yeah. Uh, and I would give Zelda the power to <laughs> to enthrall anybody and make them work for her. So that she, so that people actually listen to her and pay attention and are nice to her, because she okay. clearly desires kindness and warmth and isn't getting enough of it. So, mm. yeah. Any thoughts on superpowers for you people? Um, I think Howard has uh kind of like that one. What's that Marvel character who like his speech like destroys stuff? Oh, uh, Black Black Bolt. Yeah, he he must have like black bolt power, and that's why he's like so meek all the time. Is because if he speaks too loud, he'll just blow up the whole place. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah, that would be mine. I think Lydia should have flight, so she can truly be a big bird. Big uh, bird. And then briefly, Nick has a second question. Did you have any other thoughts on that? Sorry to cut you off. No, I don't think so. His second question: What car or team from Drive would you most likely like to show up on A to Z as a cameo from the Ben Queen cinematic universe? Yeah, I think it would have to be Taryn Manning and her friends' car because they would be so funny with, like, giving advice to Andrew and Zelda and, like, why aren't you guys doing this? And, like, rob a bank in the background of an episode. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be really mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Um, 
I think it'd be fun just to see the lizard. Yep. Guy. I knew it. Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker and um, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. God. Wow. You mean oh, John and Violet like, Trimble? Nah. Yeah. I For some reason, my brain was like, here's a picture of Emma Stone. Please say Felicia Day right now. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're right, brain. I I think that's incorrect. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess your brain's in 2000s mode. Right. That, sure. Thank you for mm-hmm. being charitable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it would be fun to see them just for no reason. Mm-hmm. I guess they would get. I I feel like I feel like Andrew would get along with Dylan Baker's character. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. They would get milkshakes. Andrew and Zelda get milkshakes in D is for Debbie, and I kind of want a milkshake now. Me too. You want to take us to plug zone, bud? Where can people find you on the podcast sphere? Well, you can find me on another show called Super Smash Echoes. I do it with my friend Justin. We play video games that are related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise in some way. We uh, a few weeks ago put out. Our finally put out our episode uh took me a while to edit it or took me a while to be afraid to edit it and then i did it um and that's that's on task initiation um our episode on f-zero gx that alan joined us for which Hi. was really fun and then soon uh i'm not exactly sure when this episode comes out but soon you'll hear our episode where we discuss ice climber and journey which was a fun mm. one to record. Uh, so check us out at Super Smash Echoes. And uh, then you can also read my writing of various kinds and genres on my newsletter, my Substack at notthatmagellan.substack.com. Check me out there. I'd appreciate it. Alan, what about you? My main podcast gigs are found on scanlinemedia.com, the ones besides chats, at least. Um, I'm on The Creature Quorum, which is an ongoing podcast where my friend Six and I, and sometimes our friend Minofsky, talk about the monsters of Monster Hunter and the pocket monsters of Pokemon uh, in a fun, critical, but also comedic way. Uh, We're almost done with Monster Hunter, people. We did another Monster Hunter episode recently, so we're wrapping up that soon. And uh, every other month, I'm the co-host of Talking Marketing, which is an AMA Boston hosted podcast where i interview marketing professionals about their work um i gotta tell you folks i just talked to my potential guest for june 2023 and uh it's one of the more exciting potential conversations that i will have this year so please check that out talking marketing wherever you listen to podcasts uh, i'm very proud of the work that's being done over there um yeah so in terms of a plug zone i think i'll take this one Miguel, if that's okay with you please do if you have questions, comments, concerns for us, our email is chatspot at gmail.com, C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D at gmail.com. Our Twitter account, while Twitter still exists before it nukes itself into oblivion, is at chatspod. If you have YouTube, we do have a YouTube channel. It's Chats, a television podcast, and you may see something on there in the near future. Who could possibly say? Not me. We have a community-run subreddit, which is our chatspod. And if you like the show, you can support us in a few ways. We have uh, pages on Apple Podcasts and Spotify where you can rate and review us. That really helps us out. And if you have the financial means, please consider supporting our Patreon. Patreon.com slash chatspod is where you can donate financially every month. One, three, or five dollars a month gets you a plethora of bonus content from our huge backlog of bonus stuff. That includes commentary over movies. That includes pilot discussions. We have fun ones of those coming out soon. And uh, Magellan spins a big wheel and then picks the movie from things that you guys from a community recommend for us. 
That also includes a community Discord, which you can get access to by being a patron or by uh, just asking really nicely. And if you're a $5 patron or more, then you can think that the end of every main feed episode, and those $5 patrons today include Arthur, Jen, Justin, Kat, Lee, Majan's mom, Marcus, Michael, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Six, and of course, Stefan. All other things, chats can be found at chatspot.com. Our main feed art was done by Camilla. She can be found at Camilla Strator on the podcast, on the, excuse me, the social media platforms. And before we take it to a close, we'd just like to offer you a brief thing, recommendation, concept, idea, belief, or several to tidy over until the next chats episode, each of us. So, Magellan, you go first. What is your chats for this week? So over the weekend, I played a little bocce ball in Prospect Park with my roommate and a couple friends of ours. So, hey, if you're looking for a lawn game to play when the weather swings 40 degrees in your favor, uh, I would say bocce ball is the way to go. Check it out. also played a little badminton when I visited PE earlier today. Now, that's another one that's pretty fun. Both of these, you know... Doesn't take a lot in the supplies department. Doesn't take a lot in the people department. It's just a good time out, out of doors or in the doors in the gymnasium. Bocce, badminton. Boy, that's good fun. Bocce, bad, bunch, bocce, min, bocce, minton. Bunchy, bunchy. Bunchy. Alan, what about you? Thanks for chatting, bunchy. I have two quick chatsums. The first is a new TV show. Um, as I've been catching up on the modern shows, now that we're done with our Should You Watch For That 90s show, uh, and the one that stood out the most to me this week was uh, Poker Face, which is uh, a Peacock original series show run by Ryan Johnson of Brick fame, if you're nasty, and Star Wars fame, if you're not nasty. Uh, <laughs> Poker Face is his new series starring Natasha Leone as Charlie Kale, a uh, vagabond of sorts who travels across the United States in her beat-up vehicle, and she has this wonderful... Uh, sort of magical realist ability to detect if people are lying by looking at them and by hearing them. So uh, it sort of formats itself. Um, it's very clearly inspired by Columbo, also a show you can watch on Peacock. And I would recommend checking out a little bit of Columbo before watching Poker Face to kind of get an appreciation for what they're cribbing and what they're kind of modernizing about it. Because just Natasha Leone is modern day Columbo is a beautiful pitch, but the ways that it differs are also really fun. Um, the Columbo format basically being we spend the first 15 to 20 minutes of the episode introducing us to the villain, showing the murder, and then the back 30 is here's the introduction of Charlie, how she got there, and how she solves it. So it's a very fun format. It's very engaging, and they're releasing one a week, which means it can be your like weekly sit down, have a little little beverage on Thursday night, and watch Poker Face. So Definitely not worth it. I don't recommend getting Peacock Premium just for this, but if you have Peacock Premium, because mine came with my TV, check it out. I, it's, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, and then my second chat some, hey, you, you know that dance class that you keep saying you're going to take and you never do? Take the dance class, Derek. Take the dance class. It's fucking great. I took. I, I went to a dance workshop this past weekend, and I'm so happy. And everyone there was like, I'm so glad I went out of my comfort zone to do this. It was kind of scary at first, but we all had fun and we made friends and we did. We learned a K-pop dance. And if there's just anything out there, don't not uh, literally a dance class, but anything that you keep saying you're going to do and putting off, just just sign up for it and think about the consequences later. That's how you got to do it. 
Because I signed up for this class like two weeks ago and forgot about it. And I was like, what is this on my calendar? Oh, God. And it was so fun. So take the dance class. It's my second chat. So. Oh, and that's what we got, folks. Thank you to Magellan for being... Oof. Honestly, the Stewie to my Steffi, I think. I think we're a little bit toxic and a little bit childish, mm. but we do love each other. Yes. I think there's a real love there. Um, and thank you all for listening so very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Chats and 13 going on 13. <laughs> 13 <laughs> under 13. And peace. Bye. Bye-bye.